You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good afternoon. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. With your hosts, David Hall. There has been a lot in what promises to be a busy offseason, whether it's speculation over the number one draft pick and Justin Fields being traded, or the execution of the closing on the land in Arlington Heights. And Dan Weeder. The 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points, in terms of developments. We're just getting started. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I am David Hall from the Mullane Hall Show on 670 The Score. Dan Reeder is from the Chicago Tribune. He covers the Bears. You can find the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app. You can watch our podcast, Take the North, on 670 The Score's YouTube page. You can interact. You can tell us what you think. You can react, respond. You can insult. Whatever you want to do, you can find us. Okay, Dan. In about two weeks, we're now within striking distance of when we will be talking about who the Bears pick at number nine. There's a lot of noise out there. I think it bears it's good to kind of kind of sift through some of the rubble, kind of figure out what is fact, what is fiction, or at least react to some of these reports. So let's start there. I think there's a lot going on right now. We're gonna get to your story at ChicagoTribune.com where you write about Ryan Poles' state of mind, but I want to get to the most recent report out of ESPN.com. There's a suggestion that the Bears actually are in a position where they like Jalen Carter. And if he is there, the indication was from the reporting that they would take him. There's not sure he will be there. But what are your thoughts in terms of are you hearing similar things? And I don't know what to make of some of these reports this close to the draft. Yeah, Um that would be my first instinct is to make sure that you understand how close we are to the draft. And, and <laughs> if you are very serious about taking a player, it does not behoove you to let it out of your building that you're very serious about potentially taking a player. And so I just kind of sit back here and, and I, I honestly, David, I think I've hit the, the stage where either I've hit the wall or I'm at least getting close to it in terms of the pre-draft noise. We're lucky that we are now within two weeks because the noise will get louder and then we'll have answers to all these questions in two weeks and we'll just have to wait for those answers to come as hard as it may be at times. And so, uh, I, you know, I, I think my initial reaction is let's see. 
and let's see what happens on draft weekend. And then let's hear the decision makers at Hellas Hall kind of explain their thinking and walk us through the process they took to get to their decisions. But right now it's just a, a, a tornado of speculation, a tornado of noise. And it's really hard to, to um, sift <laughs> report from rumor. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And I think that when you talk about Jalen Carter specifically every year, there seems to be a player that will dictate the course of much of the first round. And I think that this year you can look at, you know, maybe one of the quarterbacks, if four are taken in the top five, as some mock drafts suggest, maybe that person, the wild card, the pivot point will be when Will Levis is drafted. But I really think that it's going to it's gonna tell us a lot about what happens the rest of the first round, maybe even about the Bears' willingness to move down or maybe the teams in front of them, um, where Jalen Carter goes. You've got the Seahawks that have been linked to Jalen Carter. You've got the Lions at number six that have been really linked as a possibility to Jalen Carter. And I think that Jalen Carter, because of the huge contrast between risk and reward and because of his on-the-field uh, dominance and his off-the-field question marks, those are the kinds of things that make him, to me, the most compelling player at the top of this first round. I don't disagree with that at all. I, I, I mean, the idea three months ago that Jalen Carter would even be in the conversation at number nine would have been ridiculous. And now here we are, and we've been having this conversation now for uh, almost a couple of months at this point, uh, at least six weeks. And so now you just have to, to, again, let it all play out. The good news is it will play out. And, and when it does play out, we'll have a lot of different intel from a lot of different places, a lot of different buildings that will help us kind of piece the puzzle together that we're trying to see right now. Um, and we'll see where it goes. And just to kind of close the loop of what I said, people are, what are they talking about specifically? Matt Miller is quoted in an ESPN published draft report saying, quote, about the Bears and Jalen Carter. They are said to value him highly. And the implication is that he won't fall past the Bears if he's still there at number nine, which, to, let's be honest, I mean, this is – this is the, as we just described, speculation season. It contradicts or is different from some of the previous reporting or indications of what the Bears are thinking about Jalen Carter at number nine. Yeah, right. And, and so the seesaw goes this way, then the seesaw goes that way, and then the seesaw goes back this way, and then the seesaw goes back that way. And let's face it, this is it falls under the category of due diligence. We don't want to ignore it, but we don't also want to make something of it. People out there might be wondering, let's hope that they see a report like that and they think, well, I wonder what they think on Take the North podcast. I'll go <laughs> check it out. So we're going to tell you, I don't know still that it's changed my mind. That doesn't sway me to think that, oh boy, they really like Jalen Carter. I think this is part of the process we have to go through we don't know the source of some of these reports and there might be some self-interest being served right but let's wait and see well that's um, the most difficult thing right there to that point david is you just you particularly with the way it was phrased and what you just read there it, it's hard to know the origins of that intel and the, and the origins of that intel are important because you need to know what the um self-interest is of the originator of that intel and 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 that always is a a difficult game to play at any time of the year it's most difficult to play play in late March and, and throughout the month of April in the NFL. There's also some speculation out there that the Steelers have called the Bears about moving up <laughs> to, you're laughing, draft ninth overall. I would, also, first of all, before we get any further about like the possibilities and what they're looking for, the Steelers are at 17. They want to move up to nine to maybe get the, to a guy who's not going to be there at 17. 
I would be a little bit wary about making another deal with the Steelers until you figure out just exactly how the last one is going to work out. Well, well my first question, and this is the reason that I laugh because I tried to do a little homework on this one. Um, what is the origin of this? The Steelers coming up to number nine. Where, where, where did you first hear of this? This I uh, believe it might have been pro football rumor. talk, or maybe it was reaggregated on some other <laughs> um, reaggregation site. So that that's my point. It was reaggregated from an aggregation of an aggregation from a reaggregation of a podcast where it was set in like minute fifty five of a podcast for like eight seconds uh, during a long discussion of things that might happen in the draft. And so right now as we sit here on April 13th, a, a team um, vocally and, and publicly making its intention to move up to number nine from 17 makes little sense to me because we don't know what's going to happen with the first eight picks of the draft. Who exactly are they moving up for? Why wouldn't they move up to eight? Why wouldn't they move up to 10? What, you, you know, it's it just like the idea that there's a, 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 a very concrete discussion being had between the owners of the 17th pick and the owners of the ninth pick on April 13th is it just, it doesn't fit for what the world operates like. If this happens on draft night, I'll go back and take all this back and, and, and find the, uh, origins of uh, of this aggregation, reaggregation, and I'll apologize profusely, but I just I, this to me classifies as a lot of noise that then gets put out by the Daniel Greenbergs of the world on Twitter, and then Baranon gets crazy with it, and then we all end up reacting to it. Happens every year, and I guess it falls under the category of due diligence, but maybe that's even overstating it. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Okay, I want to get to your story in the Chicago Tribune, chicagotribune.com, where you reference Ryan Poles' long journey. Yeah. The long journey. We've talked about this a little bit. How would you describe what you wrote 
in the Tribune and why it's relevant now? Yeah, there's a couple parts to this that I think are relevant as we march our way to the draft. And it's number one, it's it's the emphasis and re-emphasis that Ryan Poles has had for a while now about how he is approaching this and, and how he sees a bigger picture and how he sees steps in the process of what he's trying to build here, which is a championship team that can be a championship team for more than one season. And so in his own words, um, I asked him at the owners meetings just kind of to, to generally describe what's at stake in this draft that comes up later this month. And he, he essentially said that it, it, it is mostly about adding to the core that they want to have of a team that will eventually become a championship contender and how that sort of requires you to recognize needs and acknowledge needs, but use discipline in, in terms of, uh, of the way you approach the draft. His direct phrase, I think, was we're, we're trying to set this up for the long journey that we're on. And so, so the, the constant reemphasis that this is a long journey, I think, should give us all a, a second to take a step back, to take a deep breath, to understand that we are caught in the tornado right now of, of April 2023 noise and speculation and rumor, and that there's a bigger picture that the people that are making the decisions in house all have to see. And some of that comes with the idea that, look, like this isn't a one opportunity, a one at bat attempt for Ryan Poles. He's going to get 10, maybe 12 chances to swing this draft. He's going to get more chances to swing next year with two first round picks. He's going to get uh, more chances to swing in 2024. And so just having that grounded, sober understanding of where your roster is and where it needs to go, I think allows you um, to prioritize patience and discipline where, where sometimes maybe the pressure to get it all done right now gets really, really intense because of all the noise that's out there surrounding a draft that we all think is going to be critical. You think the fan base has patience and an appetite for that kind of waiting and that kind of rhetoric and that kind of plan? Because I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I understand where you're coming from and why that is not maybe, you know, the prudent way. And certainly it's the way that you could envision ownership endorsing. I just wonder, I do wonder about the fan base in Chicago that's already been through a lot. Right. No, I, so it, it's a good thing to wonder about. It's another thing for Ryan Poles to be guided by that in any way, shape or form. It's very easy uh, to get sort of wobbly on that tightrope because, uh, again, Ryan does not have to answer for the sins of his predecessors, for, for Ryan Pace and Phil Emery and to some extent Jerry Angelo and all of the hardship that this fan base has been through over the last two decades. Um what he has to answer for is himself and the work he puts forward and the approach that he takes to it. Now that's a lot easier said in principle than it is done in reality, because eventually the patience wears out and all of the, the, you know, forgiveness that, that Ryan was afforded in 2022 is going to expire. It's my belief that it's going to expire in 2023 in a way that leaves a lot of people um, in this fan base extremely agitated because I don't think that they, they have, taken the same view of this as Ryan Poles has, they may say they have and understand that this is a long journey and that, that there are steps in this process. But I do think it's going to get incredibly frustrating if you're four games under 500 and five games under 500, maybe six games, you know, no matter how this season goes, it's going to get, it's going to be a different tone. It's going to be a different tenor than we experienced in 2022. And it just all harkens back to what you and I were talking about in the months of December and early January that, that look like if you're expecting there to be some some magic dust to turn this from a piece of poop into a diamond, like it's not coming, you know? And so you just have to understand that there is a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of successes and a lot of um, 
percentages that you have to hit at a high level on to to get to where you want to go. And so Ryan's got to just drive the bus according to that. And eventually, you know, I, I do think that outside noise is going to get louder and then we'll see how he adapts accordingly. Realistically, how many out of the first four picks out of the top 64 players off the board, the Bears have four of those picks. How many of those would you envision, not knowing who they are, but how many ideally are they going into this draft thinking they would be week one starters? Look, I, th- I minimum three, you know, and, and, and ideally four. That's the state of your roster right now. There is no one at any position that is locked in as a, you know, 2025 have to have, you know, blue chip crown jewel of this football team. And so you're trying to find answers everywhere you can find answers to have premium picks, to be able to pick in the top 10, to be able to then add a couple second rounders, to then add the first pick of round three, you've got an opportunity, David, to, to make your roster better. And so I think you, you have to look at it through the lens of we need to get three guys at least and hopefully four out of those top 64 picks that, that that give us a chance to start in week one. And then ultimately those guys have to become more than just week one starters on a last place team. They've got to become, you know, reliable contributors for the long haul of a team that is showing us that it's on the climb. We talk about the report or rumor about the Steelers trading up, which is very vague, I think, <laughs> in, in just general in, uh, in terms of a report. But I wonder this philosophically, when you see – some of these mock drafts, we talked about Mel Kuypers the other day, which I thought was a little unorthodox for somebody whose expertise is in this exact thing. And this is his Super Bowl, essentially. And I believe that he had Will Anderson going fifth in that draft and four quarterbacks going off the board right away. I wonder, is there, are we not considering the possibility that the Bears might move back up if somebody moves fifth or sixth? And is, could that be something philosophically you could see Ryan Poles doing or being fixated on? Because if this goes that way and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, you know, that, that'd be something I could understand. You'd have to tell me the player that it would be for. You know, Either I think Will Anderson or possibly if they are in love with Jalen Carter, possibly him. Yeah, I, uh, the price tag would 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 mean everything to me because you're accumulating draft capital with the understanding that you need to fill a lot of holes. And the whole purpose right now of, of calling this the quote-unquote long journey is understanding that the more opportunities you have to fill these holes, the better. Um, and so it better be someone beyond special that you then go away and spend some of that capital on. I would be more intrigued by the idea of the Bears moving out of nine and maybe going back to 13 or 15, yeah. 17, whatever it may be. Right. Because then you, you, know, you, you potentially could still get – Guys that we've talked about on this program, Bijan Robinson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba in the, in the lower teens, add another pick somewhere to your arsenal there uh, on, on day two and have an opportunity then to maybe add five week one starters to your, your roster you know, uh, on the first two days of the draft. So that, that certainly – I would not poo-poo that if they chose to go down that path. You obviously have to be careful. You have to understand what opportunity costs are at various points of the draft. Um, but, man, like th- this is this – is, uh, again, the scenarios are going to play out in their pre-draft meetings at Hallis Hall. Now it's up to them to just kind of kind of figure out, uh, you know, what, what, what floats their boat and what, what kind of compels them to make decisions. You mentioned Jackson Smith and Jigba, the former teammate of uh, Justin Fields at Ohio State and where he might actually go. 
in the draft. It brings up the conversation you had with Tyke Tolbert, the Bears wide receivers coach. And I thought it was interesting how you described it, how speed is what he <laughs> seeks most in a receiver. And you asked him then what is the most hardest to read or the thing that disappointed him the most or misjudged. And he said the same answer, speed. So it's not always uh, it's not always what it seems. And I, my head went immediately to Valus Jones. I drafted <laughs> right. him. The Bears drafted him last year in the third round, and the biggest selling point was his speed. But you need more as a wide receiver. How would you characterize what your conversation was like with Tyke Tolbert? Because that was pretty good stuff. It was. A, I mean, it was a fun entry point, that little anecdote that you just shared about speed being the thing that is most attractive and also the one that has burned you the most. Uh, to a deeper conversation about kind of how you go through as a receivers coach who's been in the league for almost two decades, um, just feeling out what you want to see in receivers, how you go about doing your homework, how you provide the input to your head coach, your offensive coordinator, and your general manager so that they can figure out kind of what they're looking at, you know, as you go through some things. Uh, I did think it was interesting that Tyke said that he, he's really drawn to guys who know how to cut and separate and, and mentioned that in 2003, when he was entering the league as a first year receivers coach in the NFL, uh, he had Anquan Bolden in, in Arizona, a guy who ran a 4.71 40 yard dash at the combine and was considered on draft weekend to be really slow. And the Cardinals went out and used the second round pick on Anquan Bolden. And lo and behold, he had a hundred catches and 1300 yards and wound up in the pro bowl as a rookie and went on to a, you know, a career where he had 13,000 receiving yards and 80 touchdowns. Nice get there. And so you understand that there is something in this league that calls for separation, right? And the ability to cut and separate. It's one of the things the bears love a lot about DJ Moore is that he has those, those smooth, um, sudden movements to him that allow him to cut and separate. And so again, I think there is an idea here that the bears receiving core is better right now. you got DJ Moore, Mooney, Claypool, you got Valus Jones and Equinemius St. Brown, but it could be even better than that. And the idea that they could potentially swing at receivers on day two, as early as, as you know, even in the teens, as we talked about with JSN, but if you want to swing at day two with one of those first four picks and get Justin, another playmaker, then go for it. I, you know, I, I listed a few names in there. Michigan State's Jaden Reed, uh, Josh Downs in North Carolina, Jalen Hyatt, uh, a speedster from Tennessee. I don't know if that'll give you any uh, reflux. Cincinnati's no. Tyler Scott, and then a kid from from Princeton. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. It's Andre Ivusovich, <laughs> something of that niche. But those are five names that, that could make sense for the Bears uh, in that, that mid-50s, early 60s range if they wanted to add another playmaker to that receiving core. I turned on the Cubs a little late. Do we know how DJ Moore fared in throwing out the first pitch? Did he go heat? Did he go breaking pitch? Was it across the plate? I have not seen. Uh, we have to get that video. and uh, have to and, get that video. See what's there, yeah. We'll have to work on that. Okay, so Dan, before we move on from some of this draft speculation, there are a couple things that we go into. You always want to keep an open mind. I always try to keep an open mind. But in reviewing some of this stuff and doing our due diligence, there are two things that I think uh, – uh, conclusions that I've already reached and maybe prematurely. Number one, we mentioned it. If the Bears move up and trade up and it's to get the number fifth overall pick for whatever reason scenario, the drafts are hard to figure, but I would think I'm against them trading up unless it's they can get Will Anderson at five or six or somewhere in that range because the mock draft that Mel Kuyper had, I think the Lions were getting Will Anderson at number six. If that's the case, I would do everything in my power if I'm Ryan Poles, move up to number five and take Will Anderson to keep him away from the Lions. You don't want Aiden Hutchinson and Will Anderson coming at you for the, coming at Justin Fields for the next five to ten years. So I would be okay with that. That's number one. The second thing to that 
is is that if you are at number nine and they end up taking uh, the offensive tackle from Tennessee, I will have thought that they have they should have moved down. I think that, you know, that's a very general yeah. thing to say, but Darnell Wright is not to me somebody based on evaluation, based on just seeing some of the tape, based on the other tackles available. If they take Darnell Wright at number nine, I will have thought they could have moved down and accumulated another asset or two to do that and still gotten an offensive tackle they could live with. So those are right now as I start to formulate ideas two weeks before the draft those are two that i feel pretty good about all right well two things to that last point number one um moving down is only possible if someone wants to move up i think that there's kind of a a thought process sometimes amongst people that follow the draft is like if you don't like somebody at your pick just go ahead and move down somebody's always coming knocking on your door doesn't always work that way somebody's got to be compelled to come up and and get what you have and so if if you are left choosing at nine you just have to make sure you're really comfortable with the discussions you've had to establish your board and know where it's at. If you have chosen beyond a shadow of a doubt that Darnell Wright is a better tackle than Skaronsky or Paris Johnson or Broderick Jones, and and that's the move you make, well, then you're going to have to explain it to people. I also think that one of the biggest question marks about uh, Darnell Wright coming into this draft is, is, is how quick he is and how agile he can be. And that seems to be something that Ryan Poles prioritizes with what they run uh, in their offense with the Bears. And so that, that question mark would, would would linger for me as well. Um, again, I'm really happy <laughs> that, that we're in the final two weeks of mock drafts and, and speculative conversations. I think our, our buddy Brad Biggs is going to have his next mock draft this weekend. I do not know as we sit here recording which direction he's going to go with the Bears pick at number nine. That'll give us something else to talk about next week. And, and as you know, there's probably been 10 to 12 names that have been linked to the Bears in, in mock draft worlds uh, since February. And, and there'll probably be one or two more surprise twists before we actually get the draft weekend. Wow. I didn't know Big Z was working on his over the weekend. I cannot wait for that. I need to definitely get in touch with him to try to influence him to come to, you know, just to kind of give him something else to think about and see how he takes my suggestions. You know how to reach him. So get on the phone after this and then uh, (laughs) we'll see how convincing you can be uh, in getting him to change his approach. All right. There are a couple other things I want to get to. Any other draft nuggets before we move on from the draft possibility, speculation, rumor or innuendo? No, I look like it's all out there. It's all out there. Um, so I guess my countdown now is that what we're at like 17 days till I can crack open the, the bottle of bourbon or the bottle of champagne and the, the festive, you know, party blowers and say, Hey, speculation season's over. And the bears have an 11 man draft. Class. I kind of like it. I don't mind it. You're never wrong when you speculate. <laughs> Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. 
Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, I want to get to something that came up this week on, on the Mullen Haw Show on 670 The Score, and people who want to listen to it can go back to the Odyssey app and use the Rewind button to find the interview. But Mullen and I interviewed Brandon Johnson, the mayor-elect from Chicago. We talked about a variety of things. But one of them, obviously, was Soldier Field. And in asking him some questions about what's next for Soldier Field, Dan, I think I referred to it and I used the word inevitable. That if it was inevitable, as it seems, that the Bears are moving to Arlington Heights, what then does that mean for the future of Soldier Field? And how would that relationship be in that sort of awkward phase of the Bears moving as they build and them being there? And with due respect, and I think this is what he needs to do in the way of due diligence, he corrected me. And he not corrected me directly. He, he, he basically framed his answer to make sure that there was nothing that should be assumed from his vantage point. And I'll read you the answer, um, what he said, Brandon Johnson. Well, first of all, you know, I'm not going to accept inevitability. And I've asked, you know, ownership, you know, to, to give me an opportunity to be able to assess and then you know, we can make a collective determination um, together. I don't know that it means anything. I don't know that he could have said anything else, but did you interpret that in a way that was newsworthy or significant, or did you just file that under things a new politician who was just elected mayor of Chicago has to say about Soldier Field? Well, I, I don't have the direct quote in front of me from George McCaskey in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago where there was at least a, a crack open in the door. Uh, of being willing to listen to the new leadership in Chicago. At that time, the runoff wasn't finished, and George was curious to see who was going to win the mayoral election and then figure out where the next uh, line of communication needed to come from. I do think that the Bears' central focus is on Arlington Heights. I do think that we've established for a while now that there are going to be a lot of political, financial obstacles that 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 sort of turn this whole journey in various <laughs> right turn, left turn, U-turn, back around. And it's going to go in a lot of different directions before we're actually breaking ground uh, in Arlington Heights to build a stadium. Um, so so inevitable is is a strong word, right? Because it, that, that's probably one word short of imminent, you know? And I think there's just a lot of things that need to, to happen before we get there. At the same time, the Bears didn't go into this you know, buying a plot of land for almost $200 million and, and going out and getting a, a team president with experience building a, a megaplex stadium to then pivot and try to figure out how to, 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 to make things work again in the city with a building that they don't own. Um, so, I, 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 you know, 600 to one long shot. Sure. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Chicago and Brandon Johnson are still in the race, but uh, right now I, th I think um, common sense says that, that the focus is going to be on Arlington Heights and we just have to kind of follow the, the twists and turns of that whole, uh, whole storyline. I'll have to talk to my people at FanDuel to see if they could give us odds on what the uh, would be that the bears don't actually break ground in Arlington Heights. <laughs> but you know, in all seriousness, there are a lot of bureaucratic hurdles, political hurdles, financial hurdles to clear and you've got also the reality we're going to be reminded of just how uncertain the it may be because you got – I mean, this week in, in the Sun-Times, our buddy Rick Morsey's writing about, you know, be careful what you wish for Arlington Heights. And we're re he's referencing the situation in Minnesota with, with U.S. Bank Stadium and what they're on the hook for and what those renovations will cost on an annual basis. So 
there will be the public component, the pushback at some point in time that everyone will have to address. So I guess maybe inevitable was a leading word. But when you have the mayor elect on your sports talk radio program, you use leading words, Dan. You have to. <laughs> well, at least you pushed him into an answer that was noteworthy and, and it was interesting. And look, I, you know, I, go, look, I think as, as we've all said over time, like the mayor of Chicago has got some bigger fish to fry and some yeah. bigger issues to solve. No doubt. And the Bears are probably, you know, in, in the bottom basket of the, the, the inbox. Um but look, like it's going to be again. It's a years long process to to figure out and sift through all this stuff. I think everybody's just got to be ready for for it. Like you know, you mentioned U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota. Um, I obviously was up there during some of the crazy twists and turns in that, and I had forgotten that they had essentially committed to building the stadium in Arden Hills, Minnesota, and had uh, you know a press conference and artist renderings and things that that looked wonderful. And you're like, oh, the Vikings in Arden Hills, and then you look back ten years later and you go, oh yeah, that fizzled and it ultimately just became came like a, a, a pawn in a chess game that you didn't know which direction it was going. It's instructive. There's no doubt about it. And speaking of that building project, it leads us to our final point. So Kevin Warren, the new president of the Chicago Bears, officially takes over Monday, April 17th, which means Friday, April 14th, is Ted Phillips' last day at Hallis Hall. I guess they're going to go out at 5.02. They're going to paint over his parking spot. It's no longer going to say Ted Parks here or wherever, whatever it says. But uh, I, I don't know that there's anything other than semantics and paperwork that the, you know, will, will re reflect this, Dan. But the end of an era officially at Hallis Hall Friday at five o'clock when Ted Phillips makes uh, way, it uh, makes his way out of the building and Kevin Warren will replace him officially on Monday. And then I suppose if they haven't already, the one on one individual meetings will commence with everybody giving him their suggestions about what they want to change. So that was what I was going to say is two parts of the significance here. Part one is that, you know, Kevin and George told us in Phoenix that Ted was going to be hanging around as a consultant. He was there. He was going to be on speed dial. Anything that he can do to help Kevin make this transition, he will still be kind of involved in, in helping that bridge be crossed. Number two is that that first official day uh, is the day that Kevin Warren promised to start doing those individual interviews with every single person who works for the Chicago Bears and learning more about what they want, what they see, how he can help the, the, that become a better workplace, a more successful operation. That, to me, is going to be fascinating. I'm really interested uh, to put a bug inside Hellas Hall and get the transcripts of every one of those interviews because I think that if, if they're honest, if they are candid, if they are forthright, you are going to, in Kevin Warren's seat, going to learn a lot about the Chicago Bears from the people that know it best, those inside the building. Uh, fascinating stuff that's going to come across his desk really soon. I cannot confirm this, but I have heard through the grapevine, Larry Mayer from ChicagoBears.com has blocked off 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock, a three-hour window for an airing of grievances Monday afternoon. We'll find out if there's anything to that report. But Larry has a lot to say and many ideas to offer. I was told that it was going to be from noon to two. Because okay. that, that would allow right. it to be lunch with Larry, which is obviously the staple of, of Larry Mayer's world. And so I, I like Larry, Larry knows Larry knows yes. a little bit about that hey, building. I think lunch with Larry, why not? They can monetize his madness and go <laughs> see how many clicks could he could create. That's all part of his job and the beauty of being Larry Mayer. Yeah, I look like if you if people are are uh, you know dizzy trying to get the bears onto hard knocks, 
more compelling to me would be just give me the videos like like it's a deposition video or witness testimony. Just provide me the raw videos of these employee interviews with Kevin Warren. I would watch every damn last one of them, David, I promise you. <laughs> All right, we will get out of here. But one last uh, related, Bears-related thought that I got a little triggered this uh, on Thursday morning talking about the Blackhawks and uh, basically retiring Jonathan Taze. Is still after Kyle Davidson, the general manager for the Blackhawks, announced that Jonathan Taze will not be part of the future. They will not offer him a contract. Basically, Thursday night will be his last game. They are retiring him before he announces his own retirement. Makes me wonder yet again, why in the world did Ryan Poles call that guy? Just needed some information to help him get a trade done. Okay, good. <laughs> I just want to get that off my chest. I didn't want to trigger you any further. I know, though. that's okay. I'm just getting over. I as just caught my breath after the morning rant. As a, as a hockey guy, how are you handling the end of the Taze era? Oh, I, I, Jonathan Taze. If Patrick Kane was my favorite player to cover during the Blackhawks heyday and era, and since I've been in Chicago, Jonathan Taze was a player I probably, probably respected the most. I think of Paul Konerko. I think of some other, you know, Bears in that time. Um, and I think of Jonathan Taze as a guy that represented the organization as well as he could uh, through some very difficult times. And now when his body is betraying him, yeah, I am going to miss Taser. Wasn't always flashy, and that was the beauty of what he brought. Three cups, one of the best ever to do it in a hawk sweater. Number 19 one day will go in the rafters. I think he deserved a little bit better. And I would have maybe talked to him to bring him back. And I did make a Bears parallel here before we get off. Brian Urlacher. Yeah. Wasn't offered a contract, kind of ushered out the door by Phil Emery. He had more value to the Bears than he did the rest of the league. Likewise, Jonathan Taze has more value to the Blackhawks than he does to the rest of the league. Even if he retires, it doesn't make what uh, what his last days as a Hawk uh, any, any more right than they feel right now, which feels kind of wrong. So I am not going to say anything else before I get into another rant. So <laughs> well, uh, my last thing on this is that the, the, the end of the Urlacher career as a bear was instructive to me on how cruel this league can be, because not only was it the, the idea that the, you know, the season ended and he was just sent out the door via basically a press release from, from Phil Emery. But it's the idea that the, 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 the last play he played as a Chicago bear was chasing down Russell Wilson in the game that the bears were like ready to win and then blew and then the season fell apart. And then the next thing you know, you're like, wait, that's it. That's it for, for, for Brian Urlacher's, uh, you know, legendary career here. And it was, it was, it was that first like slap in the face, hard, cold reminder that, that like when, when, <laughs> when your time is done, it's just done in this league. And a lot, very few guys get to go out on their own terms. And it, it's usually a very, very cruel ending for most guys that play in this league. Especially in Chicago. It seems like especially in Chicago, the uh, the exits are clumsy. It seemed a little bit clumsier here, but we digress. Okay, Dan, there's a lot uh, that we're going to still have to get to next week. We haven't even touched on our trip down memory lane, Dan Bazine, and our columns on yeah. Mitch Trubisky and a lot of other stuff we will get to next week. But we're going to wrap things up today because uh, – there's not much else to speculate about, and I'm sure there will be by the next time we gather. I guarantee you there will be. So for Dan Wiederer and Adam Studzinski, I'm David Hoff on the Mullen Hoff Show. You can find Take the North podcast on the free Odyssey app. You can watch us on the 670 Scores YouTube page. Thank you for listening. Download, listen, and subscribe. We will talk to you next time. Great talk. See you out there. 